Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Fall Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash life groups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hello there, Life Group Leaders. This is week number two of the fall 2022 semester of Life Groups here at Gateway Church, and it's a privilege and an honor to share with you these coming moments as we look together at this week's material for our Life Group ministry. Well, let's jump into a few announcements ahead of the material. Well, this is now your second meeting, so plan to jump into the discussion guide as last week we uh, encourage you to spend time hanging out socially together. While it's of the utmost importance that your group is growing in relationships with each other, we see amazing growth as we happen to dive into scripture together. And as our guides have a lot of questions and a lot of directions you can travel, uh, do your best to plan through which questions you want to spend the focused amount of time on and communicate those plans with those in your group ahead of time. And then also take a time to review the plans uh, for your semester together as your group and be sure that you're working together on your serve project plans that you've picked something out together that you want to do together as a group and then also make sure that you are sending your members especially your new members to the, the hub on sunday mornings to grab their new blue serve shirt then also address the topic of the covenant as we understand this is a critical element to put our trust on paper ahead of uh, the semester together with each member of the group. This season, you know, we have a lot of newcomers to our groups and we want them to experience life groups in the most positive of ways. Agreeing to that trust to show up, to be accountable to everyone ahead of our activities together, well, it does just that. It communicates that trust and it communicates our love and care and attention for each other right on the front end. And so let's uh, focus some time this coming week on our covenant. Then, then some uh, quick announcements here. Uh, pictures. We, you know, we talk often about how we want to see our groups and how they function together. And this week we have a little bit of an incentive for uh, you to send in some pictures. So for the coming uh, two weeks of our life group ministry together, uh, week two and week three, ending October 15th, send me pictures of your groups. Get your group members to send them in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put each group that send me, sends me some pictures into a bit of a hat and I'm going to draw out uh, a particular group that will win a $50 Visa gift card to get goodies for your next meeting. So do that, take your picture, send them to me in the next two weeks and we're going to draw a little $50 gift card for your next uh, treats for your next meeting following. Uh, and then attendance, of course, get your attendance in, follow those links in those emails. And then also uh, in the email, uh, the, the actual um, leader's guide written form, there's uh, some training at the end and we wish for you to engage with that. Well, let's at this point jump into our uh, life group material, our leader's guide, and a bunch of uh, notes and topics that we can talk about here. So first off, we get into the getting to know you questions. Two questions that we ask just so you can break the ice of your conversations, get everybody in your group talking. And these getting to know you questions are always low risk questions. They're safe for all voices to chime in. And we encourage you uh, introduce these questions and say, let's go around the room and or let's hear everyone's thoughts on, on these ones. So the first one here is, is there something you would really like to complete in this lifetime? If so, what is it? And so allow your group the space to think big or small as they would like. And as leaders, uh, ask uh, some simple follow-up questions. Like, what makes you so interested in that idea? 
And this is kind of like that bucket list idea where there's a big grandiose list of things that we would love to do in this life. Get talking about those dreams. I think those are kind of neat. Secondly, if you would, if you could instantly become an expert in something, what would that be? Again, allow your group to think as big or as small as they wish to, but use this question to hear about the hobbies and the interests of your members. Which leads us into the quick review section. And again, as we talked last week, that this is not a re review of the message, but this is a review of what we've learned from this message. So the first question here is always going to be the same. The second one is provided by our teaching pastor from the service. The first question being, looking back at your notes from this week's teaching, was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged, or confused you? And so again, we regularly will remind you as a good student to model what this behavior is, is take your notes and write down those extra questions and share with your members that behavior. And the second question is, Pastor Justin quoted Ephesians 6 and mentioned that Daniel was able to see Nebuchadnezzar not as his enemy, but as someone who is captive to the enemy. Daniel was able to influence him, Nebuchadnezzar of course, and lead him to repentance. What might God be able to do through you as we live this particular way? Which leads us into the section of scripture review, where we ask the three of the same questions. And if those same three questions get tiring over the time, which might happen, is sum it up in one question, which says, what strikes you all together about this passage? And so then read Daniel 1 verses 5 through 17, asking what this passage says about God, what it says about fallen humanity, and what it says about our own sin in our own lives, and what changes that we have to make through those uh, affirmations through scripture. Which leads us into the section of digging deeper. Read Daniel chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 and verse 12. The question being, Daniel and his friends don't appear to be bothered by the name changes forced upon them or the limited diet that they chose. What do these friends know and what do they trust? You know, names, names are incredibly special, aren't they? In that for the most part, whether it is in a family or, or a faith, our names tell stories of to whom we belong. Consider what we've been told now about the meaning of Daniel. Uh, God is my judge. Daniel's parents wanted him to understand not only does he belong to God, but that he belongs to a higher power who will hold him account to his faith. And so Daniel was renamed by the, by the Babylonians uh, Belteshazzar, which means may Bel protect his life, Bel being a Babylonian god. Another way to put it is uh, Bel protects his prince. You see, he was told that he no longer belongs to Yahweh, but now to Bel. And so the, their captors wanted them, uh, Daniel and his friends, to forget from where they came and to be assimilated into the culture that they were now in. And the friends faced the same reality. And in your written leader's guide, I've put in a bunch of the, the, the old names and the new names and their meanings. So go make sure you look those up and share them with your group. But recognizing more so that Daniel and his friends, they, they refused to eat the food from the king's table and ultimately saying that their trust is in God alone for their lives as opposed to their Babylonian captors. And so as they can be stripped of their titles, they cannot be stripped of their values. Subpoint question here, read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-5. through 5. Recognizing that Babylon is any kingdom or heart built in opposition to God. How does knowing that the Spirit of God was written on the tablet of human hearts encourage you? So this conversation is meant to continue from the prior one where your group has just talked about not being able to lose their faith or their values just because a name or a title was changed. Paul now gets at the point of what Daniel and his friends knew to be true for themselves. 
God has designed human beings with an inherent design that points back to himself. And Paul writes that our, our letters of recommendation that we write for each other can mean something and something great, and that's wonderful. However, he also knows that there is a greater depth here, that God's design goes beyond the nice things that we can say about each other to the very core of how we were made. He says to the Corinthian audience that they are the letter that God has written, that their lives are enough proof to show that God is love and full of mercy. But even more, even still more, that the spirit of the living God is written on the tablets of human hearts. Well, think about the work of the spirit here and how the, the spirit has been commissioned to be our advocate or the helper of which John talks about in 14 verse 26 who will be there to help us to understand what is right and what is wrong, how we must respond and what weird words we have to use. Well, this is an incredible encouragement for the disciple of Jesus Christ, as the disciple will never have, will never not have access to the Holy Spirit. This disciple could have everything stripped away, but they will still know that their hearts, in their hearts, what is right and what is true. Second question, read Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Walking in holiness is, is never easy, and yet Daniel was committed to obedience, as difficult as it was. What are our modern distractions? What pulls us away from God now? Well, Daniel's personal resolve is absolutely incredible to observe in this particular passage, where it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He clearly knew something here that he hasn't told us. Was this food that he was being offered offered to idols? Was, what was the significance of being willing only to eat the vegetables provided? Did the king not like his greens? What would happen if others refused this offer? Well, we don't know the answers to those questions, but we can surmise that not taking the king up on his offer would lead to rather negative consequences. And you can see those negative consequences uh, be a little revealed in the chief official's response as he was worried about his own head if these friends refused. You see, Daniel knew what's up and wasn't afraid to face whatever was up and how it would come. He knew that the obedience came before survival and he was willing to take that risk. In the 21st century, we face all kinds of temptations and all kinds of distractions, lures of the devil pulling us away from our obedience to the Lord. And while these distractions are quite like, likely different, the effect is still the same, is that our response as well should be similar. As your group shares their distractions, they might be more surface level, as we are still very early on in our time and how we're gathering together. As we regularly remind our leaders, be gracious for their responses. And as the Spirit prompts you, inquire further, not just of, of one person's response, but of what deeper distractions we have. You're sure to hear about the phones in our pockets and the news feeds of negativity. We'll ask, what more is there? What else is underlying in our culture that we have been so lulled into enjoying? And so as a follow-up question, read 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, asking the question, considering Daniel's story and Peter's words, what does it mean to be holy? Well, Peter is writing to a group of disciples of Jesus who have lost their ability to own their own land, to make their own homes, or to sell their produce in the markets. They've been dispersed into the greater known area, seeking a life that could be fulfilled and of service to God. And they've entered into all kinds of places similar to that of Babylon, where we are considering Daniel having faced and how we face today, and how we face all kinds of opposition to God. 
You see, Peter's commands uh, for his contemporaries are to be strong and to be committed in their faith, to hold true to the convictions and spiritual habits. Well, a good dictionary definition of the word holy says they are dedicated to and consecrated to God or a religious purpose. They're sacred. What you hear in this definition is an intentionality and a desire to be different with a purpose in a culture who is opposed to God. What does it mean to be holy in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, at the shops? We'll talk about that simple definition and into what patterns and what habits comprise a holy life. Talk about the personal devotions that encourage. Talk about being in communities of faith that are designed to encourage and to equip each other. Talk about monitoring behaviors that are easily questioned. Travel now into question number three. Read Daniel chapter 1 verses 16 through 17 and John 16 verse 33. The world will not understand Christians when they stand up for their values and their faith. Should we expect to be treated any differently than Jesus was? Why or why not? Well, this question has your group reading between the lines of this passage here. Imagining the officials and the stewards of King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 1 and their reactions to Daniel and his friends refusing to eat the meat, eat and drink the wine off the king's table. This literally is the best food in the known world. And, and it's more than just sustenance, it's gluttony with permission. And the officials and the stewards, would I could only have imagined they would be dumbfounded, they would be confused, likely thinking to themselves and each other, why wouldn't they take all this in? Well, Daniel, like we're exploring, understands that, this has, that, that he has been called to a different uh, action in this world, particularly here in Babylon. And he's facing trouble, he's facing uh, tribulation. We saw already earlier in the text that the chief was worried about his own head that he, he likely would have tried harder to convince these friends to eat what was been, what was been given. And so, so Jesus tells us that we will face the same realities in the life that we have today, that there will be troubles, there will be temptations, there will be distractions. And Jesus himself stood on the ground of his own identity and belonging to God the Father. And he ended up on the cross for standing on, on the ground that he believed. He was beaten, he was spat upon, he was stripped, he was whipped, and so much more. But earlier in John 6, uh, from our passage that we just looked at, Jesus said to his followers, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. He says there's going to be judgment, there's going to be distraction, there's going to be concerning events to come. Jesus tells us that persecutions will come. And should we now expect any kind of treatment that Jesus faced? We not, may not be physically beaten, whipped, or spat upon, but we will be rejected, we will be laughed at, we will be scorned. And so follow-up question, read 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 through 11. What does Paul say about the purpose of our sufferings and our afflictions? What does that truth mean for you as we face a world in opposition to God? Well, it doesn't take long to read any of Paul's writings to see that he faced so many persecutions and sufferings. He summarizes all of that in 2 Corinthians 11, 22, uh, sorry, 21 to 20, uh, 33. And a truth that he discovered through it all is what he records in 1 verse 9, which says, to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He also writes in 12 verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul seems to have figured out uh, that our purpose in suffering is less about us and more about God. It's, it's about whom we turn to uh, when all this is really happening. 
We already talked about how this world will be full of trouble, that this will be our reality. This truth should drive us further into a relationship with the one whom we need to turn, Jesus Christ, as he is he who grants us the strength and ability to carry on forward in this life, navigating these challenges, while also it should push us into the community, the community of, of saints, the communion of saints within the, whom the Lord has placed us. We haven't been designed to sort out this life on our own, but to do so at the foot of the cross and within the family of believers. Well, now we have the opportunity to take it home, to land this plane of the conversation. Read Daniel 1, verses 19 through 21, and Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. King Nebuchadnezzar spoke very highly of Daniel and his friends. What do you want said about you as you serve in the context that the Lord has placed you in? How can you shape your life in order to influence others who are caught up in that kingdom of Babylon? So something that we haven't really looked at too closely at in these questions or this discussion notes is that Daniel, as he was living out this, the words of chapter 1, he had no idea about the duration of his captivity in Babylon. However, as he writes it all out for us, he's on the other side of it all and he tells us at verse 21, and Daniel himself was there until the first year of King Cyrus, which amounts to approximately 70 years. 70 years Daniel held his convictions in Babylon and multiple times he had to re-earn the respect of these new kings that came in as the old ones died and passed away. There was an, an incredible obedience in a long direction and this was a community of friends and believers who supported each other for the long haul. Consider how not knowing the time frame of this life of service cannot and should not affect our goals and our convictions. And once again, Paul seems to have found out something so rich and so valuable in his life. And he specifically writes, making the best use of time. Paul always knew that he was on borrowed time. He knew his clock would stop. He did so with greater certainty as he got closer to Rome. However, that never made him stop in his mission. He kept pressing forward, trying to win many for the Lord along the way. Well, leaders, at this point, it's time to close up this conversation that we're having and, and the conversation that you're going to be having in your life groups. So close your groups in a time of prayer, chatting through the ongoing prayer needs, updating each other on where things are at in your personal lives. And be sure to, in the midst of this, think about Thanksgiving season coming up, to be offering prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving. Well, leaders, uh, I, I hope this has been helpful for you and how you're going to be helping your members answer uh, and discover the, the truth behind some of the questions we're asking. Uh, leaders, once again, we thank you for your service and your leadership within this capacity. We pray a blessing upon your meetings. Leaders, we're going to sign off and uh, we'll talk to you another time. See you.